What does it take to create magic for your customers? In this episode, we caught up with Dan, who spent his whole working career for Disney in several different positions, lately as vice president for the Magic Kingdom. In this episode, Dan shared the secrets to how you get every employee to deliver the best experience for their customer every day. Tag along and learn how they lead customer experience at Disney. What a great resume you have, and you've really been spending your whole career pretty much for working for Disney. Yeah, my whole adult life. That's right. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm really happy to have you on the podcast to share your experience. Thank you. Thanks. So instead of calling yourself the vice president, you used to call yourself the superintendent. Yes. What does that mean for you? The interesting thing is uh, a lot of people think once you get into an executive role or you're a manager, you have this authority and you can just tell people what to do and you can control everything. And that's not true. Business is so complicated today and it goes so fast. What I learned uh, early in my career is you really don't control a lot of things, but you can influence everything. And at the Magic Kingdom, I was responsible for the day-to-day operations for the employees and the guests. But I had a lot of people working at Magic Kingdom who worked for Disney who didn't work for me. Horticulture, security, they supported the whole property. So what I learned quickly is I was, I considered myself a superintendent. And what a superintendent means is you may not have direct responsibility or direct uh, involvement for everyone who works in your area, but you're responsible for the results. It's like kind of like being the captain of a ship. Whatever happens, if you're sleeping and the person driving that hits something, you are responsible, you are accountable, and you are responsible. And that's the way I thought about my role. But as a leader, I really facilitated and made sure to help people do the best job they could and create the right environment for them. And that seemed to be the the biggest priority in my job. Because when you have a place that has 20 million guests and 12,000 employees, you're just one of the many people working there. You can't be there 24 hours a day. You can't know everything that's going on. And so you, and you shouldn't try to, you just have to hire great people and then be there to support them and uh, talk about how important their jobs are and give them a purpose. Yeah. Tell me about an experience that you had in your life that really changed the way, changed the way you work or you operate. And what was the key learning from that experience? Yeah, it's I it's funny. I know we were talking about that before we hit record here. For me, there wasn't really one experience that I'll say that changed everything, but I think living in France for 5 years, being a foreigner, being someone who had a different accent, being someone who had to learn the language and learn the culture, it really taught me to change. I think anyone who's lived in another country, there's these phases you go through. You first get there and we call that the honeymoon phase. Everything's exciting and fun and every day is interesting. And then after a while, you start judging and you look at everything and you, you ask yourself, why do they eat this way? Why do they do things this way? And you compare it to everything of your experiences and you get to a point where either you decide what you realize is the country's not going to change because you don't like how everything's done. And you have to make a decision. You have to make a decision whether you're going to leave and go back to the place that you're comfortable or you start changing. 
And that's what I went through in living in France. I started to change because I didn't want to be frustrated anymore. And so I started to adopt the rituals and the culture and the way things were done. And it made me so much more flexible. And so now when I interact with people from all over, and if English isn't their first language, I'm extremely empathetic to that because I know what it's like to speak another language. When people do things culturally that are different, I don't kind of laugh and say, that's, that's ridiculous. I just say, you know what? That's what they do in their culture. And the things are not better or worse, they're different. And if you can understand culture that way, you're much more understanding. Living in France for five years, the 19 different jobs I had, traveling, meeting people from different places, that you know, every experience I had an opportunity to become uncomfortable and learn something new changed my life. And it's added up. All those experiences have added up over time for me to really want to know more. I'm 52 years old now, and I've actually realized how much I don't know. I always thought I knew a lot, but the more I learn, the more I realize there's so many things to see in the world and there's so much to learn. And now we have a sense of urgency. We want to see more and meet more and learn things because we're not going to be here forever. Let's talk a little bit about Disney, where you where you work there. Uh, you talk about the four guest standards that Disney got. Can we tell me a little bit what they are? Well, I'll start out why we have them. Every business has, if a good business has checklists, they have procedures of how to run that business. And they write those down and they train everyone around those procedures. A lot of companies try to build a matrix to anticipate everything that can happen and train their people to react the problem with that is you can't anticipate every issue. There's always different issues that come up. And so you can either try to make them, I call robots, to do, the, to do, do things a certain way every time, or you can tell them to use their common sense, just do the right thing. The problem is, as we say, common sense is not so common. And so people need a guide. They need a protocol, a filter to make decisions through. And that's what the quality standards are, the four keys. The first one, we consider non-negotiable and it's safety. We never get letters from guests that say, I want to make sure it's safe there. They assume it's safe because we have a really good reputation, but it's a given. If you're not safe, you can't run your business. So on day one that we train our employees, we tell them safety, no matter how much you know about the business and your job, just know you are empowered to step in and make a decision or talk to someone if you see something that's unsafe. If you see a small child climbing up a wall, you don't have to ask if they're allowed to or not. You know that if they fall off and hurt themselves, we don't want that to happen. So you're empowered to go tell them to come down. Now, you want to do it nicely and you want to do it in a, a concerning way. Safety is number one. That's a non-negotiable. You should never put yourself or a guest or another worker in an unsafe situation. The next two keys we consider differentiators. Courtesy is number one, right? So you have safety, then you have courtesy. Courtesy is Disney's famous for having friendly employees and having great hospitality. Once people are safe, be sure you're really nice to them. Make eye contact, smile, uh, start conversations with them, ask them where they're from. If they have a request for something, figure it out, get the right information. Number three, we call the show. So the reason we call that the show, when Walt Disney built Disneyland in 1955, his vision was basically to build a three-dimensional movie. He said, I want to bring people into these worlds and have them escape the reality of everyday life. So when you do that, it's just like a, a play. And when you go to a theater and watch a show, all the props are a certain way. The curtain is there. Everyone's in their seats. Everything is rehearsed. And he said, that's what we're going to do every day in our park. We're going to pull the curtain back every morning and the show is going to start. And everyone's going to play a role in that show. 
Some people are going to sell ice cream. Some people are going to be the cowboys on Big Thunder Mountain attraction. Some people are going to be princesses, and we're going to put that show on. And, and we bring people into that imaginary world. That's a differentiator. And the last one is usually an operational or financial metric. In our case, it's efficiency. Because once again, when you're in the hospitality business, people don't like waiting. So you have to do everything in a very efficient way. But we've chosen to push efficiency to the bottom. It's the fourth most important key because most people go really fast. And when you go fast, you're usually unsafe, right? If you run, if you try to, usually when people get hurt, they're trying to hurry to get something done. When you're going fast, you don't slow down to talk to people. You don't slow down to be nice to them and have those conversations. And if you're going fast, you're not thinking about the show you're putting on. So we put that number four. And so every day, the employees, the vice presidents, all the way to the frontline employees, they think about that when they're making a decision. And so it helps guide people's behaviors. And it helps 74,000 employees make very similar decisions because we're all working and aligned with the, the points that we think about. So how do you get in that sweet spot where you, where you are transparent with people and care about them and still hold them highly accountable for their jobs? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think a lot of people don't think you can do both. And I've seen managers who think it's a popularity contest. They're really nice. They never want to say anything. It's, you know, they don't want to criticize their employees. They don't want to tell them if they do something wrong. And they, they don't get respect. But then you have the other managers who every time someone does something, they're right there, you can't do that, you should do this, and that's not right either. So I think there's a couple ways to think about it. And there's actually a, a book I'd highly recommend, which she explains it very well, Kim Scott, she worked for Facebook for many years. And she wrote a book called Radical Candor. And basically what she says is, if you care personally for your employees, and you challenge them directly, that's great leadership. If you do one or the other, you're missing out. You can build a relationship with your employees. You can be friendly to them and personally respect them and still hold them accountable for the job they're doing. And you can do both. And I think a lot of people don't think you can, but you absolutely can do that. As a leader, you don't have the right to judge people personally. That's not your job. Your job is to judge the behaviors because that's what you can observe and that's what you can manage. And Disney, you also talk about not it's never good, it's not good enough it's better to be we always strive for excellency yes and um, what's the secret between doing things well and doing them excellent yeah this is actually the most important thing there's lots of things i can talk about you have you have to hire the right people because if you don't have the right person in the job it doesn't matter how much you pay them how much you train them how much you recognize them what kind of relationship you have with them they're only capable of doing job a certain way. And so we put a lot of effort and a lot of time into really thinking about who we hire because the people who have a great attitude are the ones that are gonna create all that magical moments. And they're the ones who are gonna be resourceful and figure things out, even if they don't have the tools, even if they don't have the training and they're wired that way. And so I think that's often, that's the difference between a, a good experience and an excellent experience is the person, the energy level, the enthusiasm they bring to that job, the pride they have in that job. And it's hard to teach enthusiasm and it's hard to teach pride. And people have it in my mind or they don't. And so we're always looking at people who are wired that way, who are very optimistic, positive, lots of energy, and they tend to do very well at Disney. Yeah. And why is it not good enough to just be good? The whole business model for, I'd say, almost every company in the world, and including Disney, it's not to deliver excellent service. It's to have people come back again and talk about you in a very positive way. And we call that intent to return 
and intent to recommend. And so at the end of a vacation, if we've delivered an excellent experience, people are much more likely to go tell their friends and family about that experience. And they're much more likely to come back and spend a lot of money again. So we, uh, we really look at that. And I have very good experiences every day. But a very good experience is not memorable. A very good experience is maybe I go to Starbucks and I get my coffee. I pay. The coffee's hot. Everything's fine. That's very good. But if I get there and the person working there maybe recognizes me and say, hey, Dan, how are you today? What's going on? What are you doing? And we have a little conversation. That becomes personal and it becomes memorable. And it goes from a very good to an excellent interaction. I'm more likely to go back there. I'm more likely to tell stories about them like I'm doing right now. And I'm more likely to give them a bigger tip because I really appreciate that personalized interaction we have. And so when it comes to that, in our minds at Disney, excellent is on its own and very good, good, just okay, and poor are on the other side. In our minds, very good is the same as poor. It's not excellent. And excellent is the reason people come back to you again and again. And that's why businesses who are able to do that are successful. And do you have some memories, a story that you can tell where your team or you delivered something with excellency and how that kind of played out within the organization? Yeah, for example, and, and it's not just one moment. We built these into the experience. But for example, when a, a guest comes to Walt Disney World, we know they might be celebrating something. They may be celebrating a birthday. They might be celebrating a wedding anniversary. And so we have buttons available for them so they can put those buttons on and show that they're celebrating whatever they're celebrating. That for us, it's like a flag. Whenever a cast member sees it, they know, hey, congratulations on turning 21 or 50 years of being married. Congratulations. So we're giving them a tool to help us recognize who they are and create these personalized moments for them. Mm -hmm. And once again, it goes from a very good to an excellent experience because we talk to them personally and we're able to help them personally. Another one is dealing in food and beverage at uh, Disney with, I don't know about the rest of the world, but Americans have lots of allergies. Aller <laughs> they're allergic to gluten. They're allergic to nuts They're And I don't know why all that happens, but there's many guests who won't go on vacation anywhere else because Disney handles allergies so well. When they come to a restaurant, they talk to the, the chef knows exactly what they can put on their plate and keep them safe. And it's because of that individualized attention, it becomes an excellent because we're treating them as individuals and uh, that ups their experience. So it's all, it's not these, it's not these big moments It's these little moments of that one-on-one, -on -one, I'm going to treat you different than everybody else. When you make that connection, it, it turns it into an excellent experience. Yeah. So it's pretty much like seeing each guest as an individual and trying to cater for their needs. But, and Absolutely. then you do that in a few clever ways by giving them the pins that tell a little bit of a story of them. It's becoming more common now when you book, uh, when you go online to book a, a dinner reservation, they'll ask you, are you celebrating anything? Because they want to give you an opportunity to put what it is so they can make yeah. it a better experience for you. Yeah. yeah, true. So how do you coach for small improvements? The biggest way I've found is you role model as the leader of the Magic Kingdom if I wasn't paying attention to details, nobody else would pay attention to details. So it was up to me when I was in the park to look for our standards. And if someone wasn't wearing a name tag, that's a detail. But I tell that cast member, hey, do you have a name tag? Oh, I forgot my name tag today. All right, I know the managers have one in the office. Why don't you go get a spare and put someone else's name on until you get your own back? Every time you walk past something that's not right, 
you're basically creating a new standard. You're saying that's okay. That's acceptable. A, a piece of trash on the ground at Disney. Everyone is expected to pick up trash. It doesn't matter what your role is, your job is. Everyone, if they see a piece of trash, they don't call custodial to come get it. They pick it up, they put it in the trash can, and that's how we keep it clean. So all these details, you need to point it out, but you need to do it also. As a leader of the, a theme park, I couldn't tell everyone to do all this and not do it myself. So if I had a guest who needed directions, I needed to talk to them and take them to where they wanted to go. And then tell that story later, make sure people know I do that. And when you're a leader, you're people are watching you all the time. Your employees are watching what you do. Are you really doing what you say you should do? And that role modeling is, uh, is very important. When you were working at Disney, uh, you would come into meetings and like have really great ideas. And then you asked your people to criticize or come up with ways that why it wouldn't be a good idea. Yeah. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about that philosophy? Already, there's just a basic dynamic that when you talk to some your boss or someone above you, you're already being careful about what you say and do because obviously they have control over your career and your job and people are more likely to be safe and not say anything that's going to be maybe negative. And what I learned was, and I always say this is just because you're in charge of a group doesn't mean you're the smartest one. It just means you're the leader of the group and you need to realize that. And I think people misunderstand and they think just because I'm in charge, I'm the smartest one here. And they stop listening. And I had to give the team permission because Disney's a pretty positive place. So people like to say yes. They like to be supportive. And I had to give them permission and say, okay, I've heard all the reasons you all like this idea. Now for 10 minutes, all you can talk about is all the problems. Why won't this work? What, what's the downside? What are all the negative things that could come out of this? And you make them brainstorm from that point of view with your permission. And once you do that, you learn a lot more. And the problem is, as a leader, you want to uh, reinforce the bias you already have, which is it's a good idea. And you may not ask if it's a bad idea. And if someone offers that, you may not listen. But if you're, you're going to make really good decisions and you're going to learn how to anticipate, you have to open up your mind and, and listen to it in an unbiased, objective way. And afterwards, it still may be a good idea, or they may just have saved you a big problem because you didn't think through all the angles. And when you do that, they realize they're valued and they're more likely to do that again. And I think those things come together. You're more likely to have an environment where people really feel good about the, the place they're in. And how did Disney recognize achievements when an employee had done something really good? There are two, two main approaches to recognition, spontaneous and non-spontaneous. Let me start with the non-spontaneous. A lot of companies have programs. We're going to have an employee of the month, or we're going to have an employee of the year, or we're going to have a banquet, and we're going to you know, vote on the best employees, and we're going to invite them. Those are great programs, but they have to be managed. They have to be consistent. That'd be well done because you just can't, you know, just randomly pick people. There has to be a good process behind it. Then you have the spontaneous recognition. I don't have a chart to look where, when I should recognize someone. When I see someone doing something that we've trained them to do, when I see them being safe, they're doing something for safety. I can go to them and say, Hey, I saw that. Thank you. Congratulations. That's exactly the behavior we're looking for. So I think the, the non-spontaneous, the programs are good, but you have to have, be careful, make sure you do those consistently. The spontaneous is any way you can to let them know. And you can't just tell people, we like you being here and we like having you on the team. You have to be specific about the behavior. So if you want people to be safe and you see them being safe, you should recognize them for that. If you value 
courtesy and you see them doing something really nice for a guest and being really nice to them, you should recognize them for that. But you got to tell them that's why you're recognizing them because recognition isn't the goal of it isn't to make people feel better or feel valued. That's happens. The goal is to reinforce behavior. Because when you reinforce a behavior, when someone is doing something, they're more likely to do it again. And you're giving a message to the organization, you value that. And people are more likely to copy that behavior. So when it comes to delivering a great customer experience, how does that manifest itself on the habits and the culture of the business? The, the big thing at Disney is storytelling. You know, I think that's the way we maintain that. We're always starting meetings. We're always telling stories about something someone did. Sometimes the story is about a mistake someone made and, and what the consequence was. Now, we don't say their name, but we, you know, we tell the story so people can learn from that. And often we'll tell a story about a specific employee who did something. It's a way to recognize, but you tell the story to everybody. Everyone hears the story. The person who did it gets recognized and everyone else thinks, how am I going to do that in the future? I didn't know we're allowed to do that. I'm going to try to copy that behavior. And that's how you build culture over time. You set expectations for the behaviors you want and you follow up and you recognize those behaviors to reinforce them. And if you don't see those behaviors happening, you either go hire different people uh, or you coach people. Hey, next time, maybe you want to do this. This would be maybe a better way to do that. And you have a conversation and a discussion, but it has to be continual. It has to be all the time. Anyone who's play, grown up playing sports, the coach gives you feedback all the time. You stand, put your foot back, stand up straight. You should turn to the side. You should hold the racket like this. They're always giving you feedback, but somehow you never say, well, maybe they don't like me. No, you assume they're trying to make you better because they want you to be better at the sport you're playing. But somehow when we get into business and a leader or manager gives feedback, we start to make up all these reasons they're telling us that. Why can't we just say maybe they want us to be better? And that's why the relationship is so important to build. Yeah. So do you have any handbooks or any tools that Disney use to set their service standards, except the four four kind of key guidelines? We do. We have something called this called performance alignment. It's really a philosophical way to do things. But the idea is any operation has to have a, a, a standard operating guideline. You know, think about when you buy a washing machine, it comes with a set of directions, right? It tells you how to operate it. Yeah. That's the technical piece. You take those technical pieces and you put it into a training manual because at Disney, you're training people how to use this washing machine every day. And it's more complicated than a washing machine. So you teach them how to train, you, you put them through that process. So that's a training manual. And then you audit those behaviors. So once you train somebody, you go back and you look at to make sure they're doing it the right way. So that's how we align, how we get the training done. But I'll tell you, most of what we do at Disney is cultural. It is spoken it is people talking to each other, reinforcing behaviors. We don't operate the property with a book every day. We go out and we know what the right behaviors are because we've trained over time and we've repeated that over time. And we recognize that over time. We coach people over time and certain behaviors just become normal because everyone knows that's the way things are done around here. And you have to train them specifically. And that's how you learn over time. Yeah. And that's how cultures are built. So what would you say are some of the biggest challenges when it comes to delivering a great customer experience? It's uh, consistency. And I think that comes to customer service. You have to get it right every time, every day, because the people who are coming today, this is a brand new experience for them. They weren't here yesterday. 
and they're paying a lot of money to be there and you have to treat them like it's the first time and with the same level of excitement is the same level of excellence and you have to keep that energy level up every day i have to explain to them what it looks like i have to get them excited about it i have to explain the purpose why is it so important for us to do that? Because these people have saved their whole life, some of them, to come to Walt Disney World. And today is going to be, could be the most memorable day of their life. And you get to be part of that. So take your job seriously, get out there and get it done and, and make sure they understand how important that is. And so the leader really has to bring that role model that, and if you've hired the right people, they'll respond and they'll be, they'll be up for that challenge also. And do you have some memories of, a story to tell from, from where some of your staff deliver that experience of excellence for a customer and you got really positive feedback. There was one lady when I worked at the All-Star Hotel. She was from, I think, Missouri. And there's a river there. And the river has these really smooth rocks in it. And she'd go every year. Her and her husband would pick out. They only worked seasonally. They'd only come work for three or four months and they'd go home. And she picked rocks out of this river. And she'd put them in front of her, a rock in front of her cash register. And people came, they said, well, what's, why is the rock there? She said, well, that's a lucky rock. It's from a, a river where I grew up. If you touch that rock and you make a wish, you'll have better luck. And it's more likely to come true. And people loved it. And some people came back and like a lady came back. She said, you know what? I, we were here three days ago and I made a wish that my, my boyfriend would uh, propose to me. And he did. Those moments, the moments where we had a, a family visiting. And uh, they were in a restaurant at the Magic Kingdom. And the wife had uh, Alzheimer's. Really, her memories were going and she couldn't. And they said, this is our last trip. We're never going to be here again with this, our whole family and our parents. And the server talked to the manager. It was late in the evening. And they said, you just wait here. And they took the family after the park was closed. And they turned the music on and, and let the couple dance in front of the castle. Wow. Nobody else was left in the park and had that moment together. That's not in the, the standing operating guideline. That's not something we do. But they recognized that moment was important. And that's how they were going to create this incredible memory for these guests. So a lot of times, it's just letting your employees make decisions like that, empowering them to be creative, to think of these things. And they'll find the opportunities, but you just got, you can't have them ask for permission and say, no, they need to do their job well, but they also have to be given room to be creative and create those moments that are excellent and memorable. And once again, it's uh, it feeds on itself and people come back again and you keep building your brand. And how do you empower, empower your frontline staff to take that ownership and create those magical moments? One is you remind them of their purpose every day. That's an important concept at, at Disney. Everyone has a role. And everyone has a purpose. Everybody's role is different. Everyone has the same purpose, create magic. And when you challenge everybody every day to say, how are you going to create magic today? People get really creative. And you can think of a lot of jobs where you could say it's impossible to create magic, like housekeeping. I clean the room. I clean the toilet. I can't create magic. And the guest isn't even there, right? They're in the park. I don't even see the guest. If you go on the cruise line, you go to Walt Disney World. You have these incredible towel animals they make, swans and bunnies, and they've, they're artists now. They make these towel animals, and sometimes if the kids leave their stuffed animals behind, they'll put them on the bed, they'll put a remote control there, and, and, and put the TV on. So when the family gets back, it looks like all the stuffed animals are watching the Disney Channel. When I was working at Hollywood Studios in one of our restaurants, we had something called the Magic Tray. And so all the trays were gray, and we got some red trays. 
and we put the red trays and they were just, there were probably just a few red trays, but every time a red tray came up, the whole family got a free dessert and we'd sing and all the cat, the staff would sing, you got the magical red tray, you all get a free cheesecake and you'd make a big deal out of it and celebrate that. And it was just a red tray. So once again, if you can challenge and say, look, y'all are here to do your job every day. You're here to work in the, the you know, this vet office or your, whatever the job is, but how are you going to really be creative to make sure the guests, your customers really see how much they're valued and have fun. And there's different ways to do that. And then you let them be creative and they'll figure it out. Yeah. There's, there's some great small things that you could do, but it creates a big impact in, in the organization and a bigger yeah, the, scale. The irony is it doesn't cost you that much. It's not like I'm giving you everything for free to create magic. I'm making it connect to your experience. Yeah, exactly. So if you could describe the single most important attribution to a great frontline employee, what would that be? One word, attitude. If you have a frontline employee who has a great attitude, when things go bad, they say, you know what, we'll figure this out. When they run out of their whatever they need, they figure out a way to make it happen. They're always looking for the positive. They're able to overcome obstacles. They're able to get through barriers. They're able to figure things out. That's so yeah. important in hospitality is to do that. I, I have an example. Usually I'm not this quick when I talk to a guest, but I, when I was at Hollywood Studios, I walked up to a guest and they look lost. And at Disney, you're trained. If someone's holding a map out, looking at it, that's a sign they need help because they're looking for something. That's your opportunity to go give them directions. And I walked up and I said, can I help you? Are you looking for something? And the husband looked at me with this look on his face, like kind of shaking his head. And I looked at the map and it was a blue map and we don't have blue maps at Disney. We have a different color map. And so I realized they had a map of universal studios, not Hollywood studios <laughs> and universal studios is like 20 miles down the road. It's a different company, different theme park. And they were looking for Harry Potter and we don't have Harry Potter at Disney. I didn't want to make the family feel bad because they were like, they were there. They kind of knew something was wrong, but they were, and he said, are we, he, they said, Dan, is that your name? I said, yeah. He said, are we in the wrong park? I said, no, sir, you're not in the wrong park. You just have the wrong map. Let me get you the map. And I went and got a map for them and I gave them some fast passes. And I said, look, here's some tickets to, to, to go past the lines. You all go on the, some of the roller coasters. You enjoy your evening and you're going to have a great time. And they went on their way. So I took possibly a really negative moment and turned it into a positive because what I could have done is said, that's not the right map. This isn't Universal Studios. We don't have Harry Potter. If you want to go to Harry Potter, you got to go back out, go down I-4. It's down near downtown. Have a nice day. That's not very magical. So I had to find a way to make it positive for them. And when you're wired this way and you're looking to make things positive, that's what attitude is. You yeah. take it, you make something better. And that's why hospitality is such a difficult business because you're trying to go fast, but you're trying to slow down and make everyone feel special. And that's hard. Yeah. So tell me about a moment where you received great feedback. Yeah, I was, this was back when I was an operations manager at Epcot. And I remember one day I went and talked to one of the general managers. We had four general managers and he ran food and beverage. And I went and asked him, I said, look, it's the end of the year. I'm getting feedback from everyone. Do you have any feedback for me? And I said, Dan, he said, you know what? You do a great job. You just need to relax a little bit. You're a little bit too serious. 
and just calm down. Everything's okay. And we were talking about discipline and empathy. I was very disciplined. I was very focused on getting things right all the time. And what he was telling me was, hey, slow down a little bit and start talking to people and get to know people better and, and slow down to get to know individually. And that was a great piece of feedback. And uh, I, I took that to heart. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. If you think about a customer and a company, and if they want to create a better experience for the customer, what is one simple thing that they can do that will, they can start with from today that will create a long time difference? Yeah. I would say go be the customer, go, and go experience your product or your service as a customer. This is something I did regularly. I'd go uh, once a month, I'd park in the parking lot. I'd dress up like a guest. I'd put shorts on and flip-flops and a baseball cap. I would uh, park my car. I would take the tram. I would buy a ticket. I would get on the boat. I'd go to the Magic Kingdom. I'd go through security bag check. I'd go through the main entrance. I'd buy some popcorn. I'd go on a ride. And I spent the day at the park just like a guest would. And I took pictures, I took notes, I watched how everything ran. And at the end of the day, I had a list of all the things we needed to fix and make better. We call that a guest-centric approach at Disney. You have to constantly put yourself in your customer's shoes. If you have a 1-800 number, call that 1-800 number and find out how long you have to wait on the phone. Find out if they're able to help you. And you'll learn a ton just doing that alone. Yeah. Is that something that you encourage your all your employees to do as part of the uh, the onboarding? Yeah, I, we would new employees. We'd let them go in the park and see the park and look for the four keys. Give us an example of safety. Give us an example of courtesy, show, and efficiency. But you can't ask your employees to come to do that when they're not working. However, they get tickets to come enjoy the park. So I would always encourage my employees and my other executives. And say, look, if you're ever in my park and you see something that needs to be fixed, you call me. I'm not going to be mad at you for criticizing or giving me feedback. I need to know and I want to know. Uh, sometimes I'd send my neighbors, I'd give them free tickets and, and some meal coupons and go, hey, can you go to my park today and on this weekend, take your kids and give me feedback? And I'd give the, I'd actually back when we, before digital, but even after, I'd ask the kids to take pictures of all the stuff you thought was really cool and all the stuff that you didn't like and send those to me. And it was incredible what they saw because you see it from their point of view. Yeah. And it really gave me a lot of insight in what we needed to do. Yeah. So do you have a quote that you live by? I have a few. I'll, I'll share two with you. I love quotes. The first one is, it's kind of an American themed quote, but it's, there's a, in baseball, there's something called the Louisville slugger. It's the bat. It's the name of the bat they use in the, the major league baseball. And it's, it hits the ball. So I, the quote is sometimes you're the Louisville slugger and sometimes you're the ball, right? So there's some days where you are just, you're great. You're on it. Life is good. And there's some days you're just getting knocked around and that's normal. Everyone goes through that. So usually when I'm having a good day, I'm like, you know what, tomorrow I may be the ball and the days when I'm getting knocked around, I'm like, you know what, maybe tomorrow I'm going to be the Louisville slugger and have a great day. <laughs> so there's ups and downs in life. The other one my grandfather shared with me and he said you, he was an admiral in the Navy and very impressive guy. And he said, Dan, you know what, you do your best and you forgive yourself. And I love that quote. Every day you should get up and plan to do your best, try to do your best. And at the end of the day, forgive yourself for not, maybe not reaching your goal because you're going to fail. You're going to get things wrong. You're going to make bad decisions. You're going to do things you regret. 
But the only thing you can do is learn and do better. And I think a lot of people take mistakes they've made and they keep carrying, they don't forgive themselves. They keep carrying those mistakes with them. And I think you need to let those go. And just the future is the only thing you can impact and get better moving forward. Yeah, that's a really good one. Yeah. That was great. Very good. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Frontline Medic Podcast, brought to you by Ask Nicely. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, please give it a five-star rating. And remember to visit frontlinemedic.org and sign up to our community for free. Frontline Medic Community is there to help you bring out the best in your frontline staff. You can access tools, frameworks, inspirational stories that will help you create a great customer experience at the frontline. Visit frontlinemedic.org to learn more.